As I recall, in one of Aaron Murakami's presentations, the one having to do with, I believe it was, the plasma ignition, if I'm not mistaken, he accomplished it very simply by the use of a single diode, shorting out two connection points of a car's alternator to boost the surge delivered from there to the spark plug to accentuate the surge, the amplification of um, the spark event in the spark plug to help bring it closer to the position of, or the ability, closer to the ability of um, performing the benefit of creating a plasma inside the spark gap, or spark plug, I should say. Now, what he's just done there, um, since that is create the alternation of resistance within a cycle, um, probably each half cycle, <clears throat> um, because on the alternate cycle, the voltage builds up more than it normally does, and then when it gets released, it's a humongous surge. <clears throat> and anything you can do <clears throat> to raise the peaks of the voltage surges will override whatever happens on the off half cycle, the subsequent, you know, the uh, alternate half cycle, because you're not trying to do anything on the half, the other half cycle anyway. You're trying to increase the breakdown of the of the air inside the spark gap, so you can get a roaring plasma instead of a teeny leeny teeny weeny little spark. Um, I said leeny, uh, lean on the uh, amplification aspect. Um, <clears throat> so this is in principle uh, similar to what I'm describing the Amon device does, except they use the alternation of inductive impedance. Namely, they're increasing um, the surges of amplitude per half cycle of um, back EMF while diminishing at the other ha subsequent half cycle. And so you get um, this humongous in inductive um, back EMF, inductive impedance-oriented back EMF, every half cycle. But then the other half cycle, you get practically nothing. And that's like a, a golden opportunity for the inductance to function as an overunity component during that off half cycle period of time in which inductive impedance is practically nil. <clears throat> and <clears throat> what I recall seeing from people's experiments in this regard is that it's very easy to get over unity. It's not extreme, it's not explosive in in you know in in the case of my various uh, simulations. <clears throat> but when we're dealing with power derived from electrical reactants, namely elect <laughs> that's really the way to, to, to rephrase the, the non-existent term uh, reactive power because there's no such thing as reactive power. But the power resulting from electrical reactants, so let's put it that way, um, 
What was I going to say? When you're dealing with that, oh, you're dealing with power that is in a format such that it does not want to dissipate. You can't use it, that's, uh, at least as it is, but it's, since it's lossless, it tends to accumulate, perhaps cycle. You get a buildup, or excuse me, um, well, per cycle actually, per cycle, you get a buildup. And um, if you pass that power through a simple resistance, you get heat and boil water. And you can do away with all nuclear power plants because that's all they do is boil water. Now, there are other techniques for its conversion. And I suspect that's latent within, or not latent, but operative, (laughs) within, well, latent in terms of our awareness, (laughs) but operative within the Amon device and the Piercero uh, version, up, upgrade, upgraded version of the Amman device, 10 years subsequent to the Amman uh, demonstration of their EV, batteryless EV. <clears throat> now, I want to cover another topic, and that is, now this is speculative. What if the type of uh, tr- so-called transistor that I described in my previous podcast is a combination of uh, a hydrous gel, a sort of condition uh, between the two like materials, uh, two two electrodes that are of like materials, such as the um, the iron one, the iron pair of electrodes, or the copper pair, so as to encourage current flow between them, influenced or Im- imposed upon by the voltage characteristics of the dielectric or dielectric dielectret vessel surrounding uh, this component <clears throat> who whose aluminum plate is placed against the outside coming from um, contact plate coming from the aluminum trunk line connecting the two transi- so-called tr- two transistors together in the in my proposal of the Amman circuit, um, in which voltage, varying a variation of voltage, when it reaches its peaks, it increases resistance between the two electrodes in the hydrogel, whatever, medium, in which they now have to conduct current to jump across the two leads, the two iron leads or the two copper leads, depending on which transistor we're talking about. Um, and since current can and does go <laughs> in opposite directions simultaneously, according to Edward Leitzkalnen, and because it's affected by resistance, and because resistance can be caused by voltage, just like voltage can be reduced by resistance, it's a two-way street, in my uh, experience of under simulation. Um, and Byron uh, Brubaker, I must admit, did um, concur with me on that. Well, the, the thing about resistance, it's a two-way street with between resistance and voltage. Um, what I suspect is happening in these so-called transistors is little different from what Aaron Murakami did in his presentation of his discovery of 
the enhanced spark gap that can so easily and readily be performed without any fancy-schmancy uh, circuitry, uh, gadgetry, wizardry upgrade. Just by putting a high-voltage diode, shorting out two connective nodes um, in and around the car's alternator, the gasoline engine car's alternator, creating these huge surges that would not have been possible otherwise making it possible to get a plasma, making it more likely to get a plasma out of the spark gap. But in his case, it's alterna alternation of resistance, while in, in the Amon case, it's alternation of inductive impedance, also could be known as the alternation of back, e um, back EMF. But only because current is flowing in both directions during each half cycle can, in the Amon case, we get away with it. <clears throat> in the uh, case of Aaron Murakami's case, it doesn't matter, it's not necessary, so it works just fine. But you can't apply it to an alternation of current unless the current is going in both directions simultaneously per half cycle. Then when you get an alternation of current, it don't matter. <laughs> What what else can be said except it does matter when we now alternate inductive impedance per half cycle so that now we get humongous back EMF per half cycle and next to none on the subsequent uh, alternate uh, half cycles of every cycle. So now let's look at the situation from a bird's eye view. We are no longer manipulating power. We are manipulating electrical reactants. Tesla has, had already given us AC power, and our society is frozen on power. Energy, power, can't think of anything else. And then they come along and say, look, if we manipulate potential the potential energies of electrical reactants, any one of those factors, or one or more, I can make energy expand or contract like Ant-Man and Marvel Comics, and if it expands from a level of... Um, energy or power that you couldn't measure, it'll look like it came out of nowhere and was created, violating uh, conservation of energy. And if it, it shrinks to non-measurable amplitudes, again, we will think that the energy disappeared or was destroyed, which violates conservation of energy, when in fact nothing like that has ever happened. That was one of the first changes I made to Paul Falstead's, my mirroring of Paul Falstead's simulator on my website, <clears throat> vinyasi.info forward slash n is in Nancy, e is in Edward, representing the first two letters of negative resistance. But now we call it negative impedance of a spark gap. Um, in which I had to add on more digits of range of oscilloscope tracing, virtual oscilloscope tracing to a simulator, than just the, um, oh, what was it? 12 to the right of the decimal point and 9 to the left. So he had giga and he had pico. And that was it. And it took forever to wait for results when I did my trial and error ver uh, variety of Edison-style learning uh, procedure on how to create over-unity circuits. It took forever. So I expanded. At that time, the scientific notation went as far as 24 digits to the right and left of the decimal point. Right now, since then, they've expanded it. The international body has expanded it.
I wonder why. <laughs> I'll leave it to you to speculate. Um, I won't suggest anything because I don't need to. <clears throat> but I need to bring it up <laughs> just to point it out. So uh, that goes down to um, Yokto, uh, to the uh, 24 digits to the right of the decimal point, and Yota, 24, 24th digit to the left of the decimal point. And that made it possible for me to do trial and error experiments because I had to do a lot of variations, only one variation at a time, to see if I would get any results in um, um, producing over unity. And that taught me about behavior. The behavior of energy, electrical energy, when under certain circumstances of certain designs of circuits, which was more relevant to me than actually creating a circuit that was over unity, was the skill of understanding the behavior of energy. If we don't understand the behavior of energy, we won't understand free energy because it's a subtext to energy. And energy covers that. But you first have to understand energy if you're going to understand over unity of energy. It's a very basic idea. Nobody bothers to think about it. You have to train yourself. It's not, oh, how do I do it? No, you have to train yourself. It's a training, like learning how to drive a car at high speed in traffic on the freeway at night in the fog <laughs> with homeless crossing the street. And you can't see them because there's no street lights. <laughs> and you don't see them until you come upon them. Oopsie. I just missed hitting, swerving around, hitting, uh, to avoid hitting a homeless person wearing nothing but black, <laughs> who doesn't look both ways, and because he's living in his bedroom, you're, you're, you're driving through his bedroom, can you please appreciate, or through his house, appreciate what you're doing, and the risks you're taking driving downtown at night, um, <clears throat> so, <sighs> so when we do this, to electrical reactants, creating the alternation of impedance or resistance or both, we are doing something far more significant than the alternation of current. We are going beyond the conventional wisdom of power, namely, oh, let's just focus on uh, alternating current because it's the standard and it's beautiful. Yeah, fine, but it's not interesting. It's boring <laughs> because it's the same thing over and over again. Up and down, up and down. <laughs> left and right, left, whatever, you know, it's, it's, and that's considered, well, status quo, because it never changes. I mean, it changes, but in a, in a predictable manner, let's put it that way. So, it's actually more powerful to alternate resistance and impedance than it is to merely alternate current. Because when you apply the former over the latter, you get over unity of an oscillating circuit. Woohoo! You know, maybe I've figured out where free energy comes from, at least the milder version. No, 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 I already know the extreme version. It's, re it's the so-called reversal of time. Right. But this is the milder version. So, over unity comes, I think, in two versions. <clears throat> there are three ways to do it, but there's two versions, and the milder version is the alternation of resistance or impedance or both. This is the milder version, and it's based on coils, whereas the more explosive variety of the reversal of time, so-called apparent of reversal of time, has to do with capacitive reactants, 
as opposed to this version, which is inductive reactance. And out of capacitive reactance, you get explosive magnification of power. So much so, you better hold onto your hat and hide behind a concrete um, firewall because you have no idea what's going to happen to your circuit. And we don't want you to lose your life. Um, David Tur... God, I forgot his last name, but Turian <laughs> on the Energetic Forum, the username. He he showed me a picture. He sent me. He took a picture right then and there of his T-shirt that his wife gave him, and sent it, and sent it to me when, after our discussion one night, uh, because he kept making this comment to his wife. So she made a T-shirt out of it, and it's something I can't remember the exact quote, but it's something to the effect of. You can be sure the last thing I said before I lost my life in my lab was, oh shit, that didn't work. <laughs> and that's why, you, you see, I simulate. I don't build anything because I have no safety training. And you better have training similar to the guys up at Stanford who have a lightning um, simulator. I mean, it creates real lightning, but it does it artificially. So it's an artificial creation of lightning per amplitude of the damn thing. And uh, they know a little something about safety. And that's the kind of training you have to have if you're going to get into overunity of capacitive reactants because, boy, you better hold on to your hats. <laughs> I guess you could say there's a third variety, and that's... Um, the manipulation of frequency because without without regard to uh, the fact that you already have overunity of capacitive reactants or inductive reactants or both because just by manipulating frequency you can regulate the rate of reactive gain such that it's either greater than entropic losses or less than and if it's greater you get an uh, an accumulation of reactive power or the power resulting from re electrical reactants um, or else you don't in which case you get a comatose circuit that doesn't do anything it just sits there and yeah there's some energy going through it but good luck measuring it uh, you might be able to you might not the simulator can show you because it's not measuring anything it's simply calculating what should be there in, in case all of our theories about electrical dynamics is correct when applied to the software design of a simulator. So that's its advantage. It doesn't have to measure anything. It took me a few years to figure that one out. Why is my simulation so easy? And the real world is not. Well, that's one of them. It doesn't have to measure anything. It just predicts. Oh, is that why? And that's what you're supposed to do as an electrical engineer if you're well-trained, is to, to work out the equations by hand, in, you know, like Eric Dollard, uh, and uh, put it on paper so you can see in advance what's going to happen. But it, I can't do that, so I have to employ the usage of a simulator to do that, but also use the simulator to train me on how to think about energy in general, let alone, let alone free energy in particular. So that little sidebar... I can't remember what it was about now. <laughs> oh, was necessary. Um, I think if I covered it, I can't even remember what I've been talking about now. My brain has been all over the map, and it's a wash. So I'll have to go back to listen to this and see what I was saying in order to figure out if I said everything I need to say. <laughs>